Where have you been all these years? What do you mean? Where have you been? Everybody's been wanting the podcast to come back and it's been like months. It feels like it hasn't been months though, right? Probably like- hasn't actually. <laughs> I think the last episode we done was, it was definitely Creed 3. Creed 3? Greatest. I feel like it was... Hmm. I couldn't finish that sentence. Greatest. <laughs> Creed film with a 3 on the back of it. Mm. Yeah. It's been a while, but it's good to have you back though. Yeah, thanks. Are we going to get intro music or is this, is this, we're just rolling with this? <laughs> we're just going to roll with this. This is our intro. Oh, <laughs> Thank you for everybody. <laughs> Thanks everybody tuning in to the Logical Podcasts. My name is River. This is Tony. Hello. Tony hails from the same city as I do, Sydney. Um, do you actually claim this as your city now? Because like, you're not though, right? Well, hmm. <laughs> I guess it is. I mean... If you if you use time as a measure measuring tool, then I suppose it is. And like the minimum to stay in a the minimum to stay in a city or a country to claim it as your own. Let's say it's yeah, five I, years. I wouldn't say that. What do you mean? What would you say it is? If you move to like America and in five years you'd be like, Oh yeah, this hails from uh New York, the place that my, my oh. home. It, dep- really? like, oh, it depends on like how how you would classify a home per se. I feel like the place that you're at, like in your single digit years, is where you is where you hail from. <laughs> <laughs> so once you hit ten years old, boom, it's locked in. Whatever it is, whatever you had at that time, that's it. Okay. Okay. And then, and then you just say, "Oh, I live in this country now." Currently, yeah, yeah, I live in Australia now, but I hail from blank. Okay, if you say so. These are arbitrary rules, but I feel like the yeah. people would agree with me. You'd have to appeal to majority, perhaps. Yeah, if there's a referendum, I think I'd win this. <laughs> <laughs> but nonetheless, it's good to be back. Um, we're reviewing The Flash today. Um, extremely, extremely early. early, much like The Flash, like like usual. Yeah, see, it's irony. Or, not so much irony, I guess it's more accuracy, that The Flash is ironically always late. So we're late as well. Is he always late? Is that yeah. a thing? That's what that's what makes him no. kind of... At the start of the film, or is he something... Because I actually don't know much about I think Flash, it's part of his right? trait of, um, like, the irony of him being The Flash is that he's always late to places. So, um, I guess Andy Muschietti, the director of this film, wanted that to be... Um, clear in, in people's mind because that's the first thing that we learn about him in the first scene. Yeah. He's always late. Hey, can I ask a dumb question here? This is this is running through my head when I was watching this movie and like I, I know it's not something that's supposed to matter. But like does he just have two modes, like running at normal speed and then running at flash speed? Or can he run at any speed between flash speed and normal speed? Between the speed and the force movie? and normal speed? Yeah. Well, because the film does show us him running at different speeds. Yeah, but I just kind of wonder, like, could he? Because he's kind of struggling with money a little bit mm-hmm. in this film, and like he has this job that he doesn't. I mean, I think he he loves it because it's like it helps his dad or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like, could he just be like Usain Bolt? Like, oh, just, like, tone down the speed. Are you force saying that hypothetically, if he really wanted really to be the fastest person in the world without using his superpowers, but even though he does use his superpowers? Could he do that? I'm sure he could. No, 
I'm thinking he uses his powers, but he turns it down to a level that people would just sort of accept. Like, they wouldn't question it. Yeah, like, they, they wouldn't think that he's using superpowers. Yeah, they're just like, wow, that guy's really fast. Hmm. And he's like, yeah, you know, just train hard and I eat my vitamins. And then he's getting paid a ton. He's getting gold medals. He's on Wheaties boxes. And then the rest of the time, he's the Flash. Yeah, I, I think he could because, like, there is evidence that he can slow down. Yeah, yeah I, I just feel like, why doesn't he do that? Like, why doesn't Superman do that? Because he's not really well-respected as a reporter, I think, either. No, no. But, like, I mean, it's it, it probably taps into this idea of there's certain people in the world that just cannot be as successful as other people, perhaps. You know, regardless of, like, how smart or how strong or how intelligent they might be, they just can't put certain things together. But I don't think a comic book writer has has ever challenged that, so so I don't know. <laughs> the short answer yeah, is I don't I know. I, <laughs> I don't know. I, it always bothers me. I'm just. I guess in this one, his poverty isn't that big a deal, no. so maybe it's not a big. And his like, like okay, for anyway. this one, like his character is all about trying to bring justice for his father, and him being in yeah. this job is is to prove it's part of yeah, that. Is, is to prove yeah. or, or to help prove his father's innocence. So. It seems odd because it's like a very job. It's a job where he's very methodical mm. and slow, mm-hmm. whereas he's like seems in the rest of his life very haphazard and fast. Yeah. 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 But I mean, he uses all his powers to be able to get to um, that point of redemption for his father. Yeah. Cool. But right, yeah, sorry, uh, <laughs> yeah. What do we get into it? Let's um, let's talk a Welcome little bit about info. the. Um, some info on this film um this actually was released quite a while ago so um we are late to this review like usual <laughs> ridiculous we don't intend it to be later right maybe we don't intend it to be it's still in the cinema so it still kind of counts um and hopefully yeah. we can be some kind of shining light per se perhaps for people who maybe just like people who don't really have the enthusiasm or the motivation to go see it because of all the controversies surrounding this film. Um, maybe, but you know, we, we might actually be wrong. Well, I'm, whatever I'm saying right now might be just cap. And <laughs> I feel like you have kind of soured on the film a little a bit. Little bit the yeah. First time you watched yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Um, but just a little bit of info before we get into the review and the recap, uh, it's directed by Andy Muschietti. He's the guy that got famous for it. I don't know if you saw that. Did you see the movie It? The new one? Yeah. Well, I shouldn't say anything. No to both. <laughs> <laughs> you haven't seen the original either. I know the plot. I just, I don't know, horror, you know me yeah, in horror. Right. This is true. Get along. This is true. Yeah, well, so he directed yeah. both It and It 2. Um, he's directed other things, but I can't think of those off the top of my head. Um, this movie has gone through a lot of different iterations in terms of writing. So there's three people that get credit for the writing of this film. That's Christina Hodson, John Francis Daly, and Jonathan Goldstein. Now, I think Christina Hodson has the main credit for this iteration of the film. You know, mm-hmm. long story short for the listeners, and maybe even to you as well, uh, Tony, definitely. <laughs> that um, <laughs> this movie went through like five directors or something crazy like that. Oh, yeah, okay. it's like they had a lot of different directors that came in, and it was all during the pandemic where there was there was like sort of creative differences. There were um, delays. There were 
um, maybe even cast changes and stuff, store, like script and story changes and directors just not really gelling with the writers and all that kind of stuff. And eventually they landed on Andy Muschietti, Muschietti I think mm. is how you pronounce his name. Um, and he finally got to grips with whatever the final script was, I guess, with Christina Hodson. So it's gone through a lot. It's gone through the ringer. Like anything that could possibly happen to it for changes happened on this film in the space of five years. Maybe not five years, like three years or something like that. This movie was supposed mm. to come out, I think, last year and not 2023. And so they kept pushing the, the due date. And I think that also discouraged a lot of the previous was directors. It, was it not ready or was it? Um... I think it was everything. It was, like script wasn't ready. Um, the directors weren't happy. I don't know. Uh, Has there actually been a film, right, that goes through, like, this production hell and has all these delays and stuff and then comes out brilliant? Hmm. Good question. Can't think of any. It's always always bad, right? It's always always bad. I mean, I I feel like The Flash could be that because I don't think The Flash is a terrible film. I think it's actually good and enjoyable. Um like so, so this could be the first film to go through a production nightmare and come out on the other end kind of good. Um, but yeah, so that's why I think there's like three people credited for writing because they were part of like previous script iterations as well. Um, the whole film stars quite a large cast, but we're just going to cut it down for the sake of um, time for the podcast. So Ezra Miller, who's mm. playing two characters, Barry Allen and Barry Allen. So it's like Barry Allen yep. present time and Barry Allen 2013. Then we've got Michael Keaton playing, uh, coming back as Bruce Wayne Batman, which is really exciting for people like myself. I don't know about you, Tony, but definitely exciting for people who grew up with those Batman films. Um, yeah, I enjoyed yeah, it. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Like it was actually one of the first films I ever saw at the cinema when I was like, I think I might have been five. Six or something. Oh damn! Okay. So that seems like bad parenting, right? Yeah, that was like it was the, pretty dark actually as well. Are they the Tim Burton? Tim Burton ones? ones, yeah. Like the one that I that yeah, my dad took dark. me to the cinema was Batman Returns, which came out in ninety three, yeah. I think, or ninety two. Um. So how old would I have been? Yeah, six, like five or six years old. <laughs> damn, that okay. is bad, bad parenting did because you, I, did you love it? I I think I I think I liked scary? it, but I, I found it more scary as a kid. Yeah, penguin, penguins. Right? Like pretty, yeah, dude. penguins. Pretty freaky. The whole yeah. thing is tonally quite dark. Like there's there's like quite a there's a little uh, bit of gore. You know, I remember penguin biting that guy's nose off. You know, that's pretty damn you, gory. You froze like crazy for me just then. By the way, you just said tonally and then blank. So I don't know oh, what what, what could have to thanks there. to Optus and its amazing network. um yeah like tonally it was just a very dark film and i remember those gory scenes of danny devito biting that guy's nose off like that was crazy yeah Yeah. um so yeah michael keenan comes back as bruce wayne batman we have a new superman or i should say supergirl who's taken over superman sasha cal kelly i think it's kelly um, she she's playing I'll, I'll she's playing the cousin of Kal El, aka Superman, aka Clark Kent, Kara Zoel, got Michael Shannon coming back as General Zod, Ron Livingston playing Henry Allen, Barry Allen's father. We have um, Maribel Verdu playing Nora Allen, the mother of Barry Allen. 
All right. Um, Kirstie Clemens playing IC, uh, Iris West. And then we have Jeremy Irons playing Alfred Pennyworth. Um, with a runtime of two hours and 24 minutes, this movie had a budget of $200 million. And as of today, it Oof. has made $87.5 million. That is the That's... biggest, biggest bomb I think I've ever seen for a big budget film. <laughs> Oh my god, that's that's, that's scary. Are they going to go to China at least, or <laughs> I don't know. I think I did go to China. No, wait, maybe I didn't. It's already maybe gone. Maybe I didn't. Because that because China is a big market. A... Yeah, that's the thing. It got released in May the no, fourth, no, July no, that, 10th actually, now. that was from a previous podcast. <laughs> oh, okay. When was it released? I can't like, uh... um, I think it was like June. Yeah, let me look at the flash. It ain't making it back, right? It ain't, it ain't making it back, and it's that is that is a harsh thing to take if you're not going to make back your June fifteenth. So it's been almost four weeks. A month. Yeah, it's yeah. pretty harsh. Like it's not going to make any of that money back. Like for them to break even, they have to make between three hundred, I think, and three fifty mm. million to break even. Um. Because this is not including their marketing budget, and I think their marketing budget was like sixty million or something. Damn! Yeah, it was marketed pretty heavily in hindsight. Mm. Like I saw a lot of trailers, I saw a lot of ads. Yeah. So yeah, yeah pretty pretty disappointing box office, and I don't think the studio is going to make a second one for that reason. Um, which is sad because I think Barry Allen, I, th- I think Ezra Miller should be given another chance to play the character again and to see a sequel and maybe even to be in a crossover comic book universe, which is what they're doing with James Gunn. The thing that I'm kind of curious about, like you, you talk about how um, DC is going to reset, right? Mm. But Ezra Miller is still around um, from the, uh, spo- do we hear about spoilers? Like, you know, if you're listening to this, you've seen the movie, yeah. right? I would assume mm. Aquaman being Jason Momoa is presumably sticking around. Yeah. Based on the fact that he's in that post credit scene. Yep. So is it really just by uh, Superman, Wonder Woman, and Batman that they're redoing? No, there's actually a whole slate of DC uh, films. And um, I can look up those DC films and then mention what those DC films are with James Gunn and but Peter. Why? But why are some actors sticking around and some not? Is it just like, oh, I like this character. I like this actor, so I want to keep them. And I don't like this actor, so I want to remove them. Like, is that all it is? Is that all it came down to? I think it's partly actor... Uh, contracts, partly um, mm. just the reset itself. You know, uh, Peter, Peter, I can't remember his last name, it with S or something, and um, James Gunn, that they're directing or they're the creative directors for this entire new universe. And so whatever, whatever they come up with has to fit with, um, or, you know, like whatever their vision is, is, is going to be specific actors and it may or may not be the current actors of these characters. But Aquaman still has Aquaman 2 coming out at the end of this year, which is The Lost mm. Kingdom. And I think, like, well, actually, we're not really sure whether it's after the reset or before the reset, you know? Yeah, I thought Aquaman, I heard that that was, like, you said this was the reset film? I thought that was going to be the reset film? The, no, the, the Flash oh, is the right. reset film. But we're just not sure if Aquaman is, like, in terms of chronological timeline, if it's before mm. or after the reset. Um, but it's the, the weird thing is that it's, it's not really a reset. I guess it's just in a different universe because the multiverse is being explored for the first time in The Flash. So... 
kind of. I mean, yeah, it's yeah, okay. It shows it exists in that mm. scene of of comedic yeah importance, and it's very confusing. <laughs> yeah, and I think for the sake of the listeners, and we're going to assume that the listeners don't know much about the extended universe of DC, I'll do my best to explain what that changes and what James and Peter are like plan to do. Peter Shaffron is his last name. Yeah, Peter Shaffron. Uh, you're doing it for me, so I don't know anything. You know, I don't. I don't keep up with the, the behind the scenes <laughs> stuff. I just watch the yeah, movies. Yeah, yeah, I'll do my best to sort of explain what that is and what the current universe is and what it's going to change to, uh, maybe towards the end of this review and recap. Um, cool. So, as it stands, the Rotten Tomatoes score is sixty four percent from the critics and eighty four percent from the audience. Uh, so, really. That's it's actually nice. very, very positive ratings. And I would actually agree with those ratings for the most part. Would you agree with those ratings? I mean... Would you take the critic side more so than the audience side? Probably closer to the critic side. Like, I think it's a fun romp that has its own problems. Fun romp. <laughs> it's a romp. Yeah, it's a fun, fun little adventure. But... Like the thing that I'm trying not to do, which I know I do all the time, is I'm I'm very much like a oh that doesn't make sense kind of guy. Mm-hmm. I want to do that less, right? I want to try and do that less. But there are things jumping out at me that's like it doesn't make sense. Are you saying so, so? You're applying like real logic, like real, real world logic kind of thing to a superhero film. Well, no, all all my reviews. If if you're a fan of of my crap, everybody, you will notice that I'm always like, well, this character does this thing. It's not doesn't make sense for this character to want to do this, right? <laughs> and in hindsight, it's probably like not that indicative of the quality of the film if these kind of fallacies mm-hmm. occur. One thing I do want to raise now, just get out of the way because it pisses me off. You know, Kiersey Clemens as Iris uh-huh. West. Why does she have such a crush on the Flash? Like, I don't get that. It's not explored very well. I think it's um, definitely one of the weakest things of the film. Yeah. Okay. Cool. I wanted to say that because like she's just constantly. She like, does nothing. She she could have. Easily be like not have been in the film, and the film wouldn't have changed. Hmm. Yeah, like she she's she's like hitting on him, but she's a reporter, and he's really nervous around yeah. her, and then she wants to hang out with him, and then at the end, she's like, "You should ask me on a date." Like she is very desperately into this man. It sounds and... like she's thirsty, doesn't it? <laughs> she it's a character that's just like super thirsty, and you don't know why. <laughs> and he's like awkward and weird and actually says i'm not very good with people so it's odd that this woman who he's very much in love with from college is just it is very no no no, you're you're totally right it's it's uh, crazy into him it's a terrible not a terrible but you know it's it's a weak weak romantic story that's trying to say hey by the way these two characters they love each other in the comics but oh is that is that what it is that she's a love interest in the comics but I mean, it makes zero sense in the film. I feel like if you're doing going to do a romance, you know, do it like Spider-Man style, where it's like pretty much the entire mm-hmm. film, or don't do it. Or don't like, do it. Yeah, yeah. This thing where she's just randomly into him mm-hmm. is odd. I feel like um, the anyway, sorry, the that's it. I'll stop trying to do really that kind of character motivation relationship between her and Barry. Yeah. So. You know, maybe uh, there was something a bit more developed than that, and they just kept her in there for the sake of being some kind of plot device, you know, for the dad. Um, is she, though? Well, uh, I, mean, I don't know. I don't think she is a plot device, but, you know, she has something to do with the plot when it comes to the dad because she's a reporter and she wants to report. Seem, she just forces him. Okay, I think 
this is actually kind of a sad thing if it's true. It feels like she's literally a vehicle to say, hey, what's the go with your dad? Mm-hmm. And him to be like, this is what's happening with my dad. <laughs> because, yeah. like, why not just show me, like, a newspaper land on a table and it's, like, the front page or something, you know yeah. what I mean, where I can read it or some crap? Yeah, that's why it's, like, well, she, she has Bruce... really zero things to do in this film. She shouldn't have been in it. Yeah, maybe they could have, like, you know how Bruce Wayne was, like, figuring out the detective stuff mm. for him? have Bruce Wayne trying to clean up the, the video and say, this is for Flash. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Bruce Wayne could have literally done the same thing that Iris was done. And yeah. Okay, sorry. Anyway, um, we'll have more time to to shit on her character. <laughs> I can't start the recap. No, no, we should stop now. Iris West, you are now free you are to now go. free to go. Like Barry's dad. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay, so just uh, quickly before the recap, the consensus for the for the critics from Rotten Tomatoes is The Flash is funny, fittingly fast-paced, and overall ranks as one of the best DC movies in recent years, which isn't too hard to do. Do you think this is better than Wonder Woman 1? Because people loved Wonder Woman 1. Oh, is it better than Wonder Woman 1? That's a good question. It could potentially be better than Wonder Woman 1. Yeah. Yep. And that's the only thing he's fighting with, really. Like everything else is is. Well, you think uh, Justice League Zack is better, right? You think Justice I League think Zack is Zust- great? Yeah, Justice League. Whoa, Justice League. Is that what you're going to call it? Yeah, <laughs> I just coined it. Thank you, everybody. Copyright. Nice. Remember that I have it recorded. Yes, thank you. Um, Zack Snyder's Justice League, I think, is the best. It's it's the gold standard for the DC films for sure, in my opinion. Does it beat any Marvel films? I mean, not any. That's hard. Mm, yeah, uh, because there's so many. No, movies. it beats a lot of Marvel films for sure. Like, does it beat Avengers two? Yeah, easy. I mean, Avengers two is not a very good movie. Ah, uh, does it beat? I don't know. Winter Soldier. You love that thing. Man, nothing can beat Winter Soldier. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um. Yeah, I, I think Zack Snyder's Justice League is the gold standard. Second to that would be Man of Steel. Um. Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. I disagree with that. Oh, I disagree with that. Man, Manus is awesome. Love it. It's great. It's very, mm. very good. I no. It. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. It. Man of Steel has a lot of similar problems with Flash. Like we're going to jump into the highlights and lowlights in a way, right? I feel like Man of Steel is very much like you've got about one and a half acts of this is really interesting. I wonder what the Superman thing's going to happen. And then General Zod shows up and just people run into buildings for half an hour. <laughs> and that's what happened here. You know what's interesting, though? It's the same guy showing up. You know what's interesting, though, is that I say how much I love Man of Steel, but I've never reviewed and recapped it, right? So it's different yeah. because if we review and recap Man of Steel – it'll be a whole different ball game on how I see it. Um, but I've never actually sat down and sort of thought about why Man of Steel is actually very, very good for me. So, yeah. I don't know. I remember when I watched it, I had the same exact thought as I had with this, where it's like the first two are pretty good acts, I mm. mean, and then the third one is just this. I find Superman fight scenes boring. Right. Personally. Dude, man. You don't love the Dragon Ball Z scenes towards the end? Come on, man. That's the first time. That's the closest we can get to Dragon Ball Z. It's like, oh my goodness. It is kind of cool, but like, you just don't know what is an important hit. You know what I mean? Like, in this film, again, spoilers, I'm going to stop saying that. Like, you know when he just innocuously stabs her Mm -hmm. and she dies every time? (laughs) Like, 
I it's it's not clear that that stabby is going to be a kill shot, right? Yeah, because she's essentially a god. Is what you're saying? Yeah, he just like goes bloop, and then she's like, "This is what I find a little bit odd about the third act." And we should talk more about it when we get to the third act. But real quick, is that the stabbing of her with that Kryptonian tool? I guess it's weird because well, but it's it's just. How does he have kryptonite? He doesn't doesn't have kryptonite. We don't actually see that he has kryptonite. The thing is, we have to just infer that anything from Krypton is going to kill them, like which is so unclear and not very well established at all. It's like, well, she can get stabbed, but yet she's a god. I don't actually know how that works. (laughs) In order to understand, I think maybe they were shooting for a PG or something. But if they were going to like kill her forty-five times, they should have had her go in some pretty like gnarly ways. Mm. A couple like of rip times. her head off, you know I mean, like head chopped off. <laughs> Not rip. No, rip is a bit hard, but like a cut. Those guys, those guys are gods. They can rip people's heads off. Yeah, I know, but I mean, you don't want to go to R. Like you, you got to leave some money back on the you table. Either right? go full throttle like, R, or you don't. <laughs> <laughs> they, no, they ain't going R. I don't think. They ain't going a. a oh, all right. So let me read the synopsis, and we'll get into the recap. So. The Flash 2013 is about Barry Allen who uses his super speed to change the past, but his attempt to save his family creates a world without superheroes forcing him to race for his life in order to save the future. Uh, All right, so really quick, some lowlights and some highlights for you, Tony. Go. Okay, Uh, highlights. It is a fun adventure. I like the fact that you have dumb Barry. Um because Dumbberry is sort of like a, a vehicle for the audience to be talked to. And I find that kind of fun in like a Doctor Who kind of way, right? Like you, you have this person who's like, what's going on? And then like intelligent Barry can tell him stuff. Um, and also Dumbberry gets to like react to things, which I think is quite cool. Like he, you know, you see Batman and he gets to be like, oh no, this guy's Batman. Whereas real Barry can't be shocked. But as the audience, we get to sort of enjoy dumb Barry's take on things. I, I find that fun. Um, so, yeah, I enjoy multiverse stuff. I enjoy time travel stuff. I think this time travel is not that fun, mainly because there isn't so much of a linear um, action to consequence in in this one. Like, I find Back to the Future, like one of my favorite films of all time, is fun because it's such a linear um, change from... You know, you gave a guy an almanac, he becomes rich, he's rich, he's an asshole, now the world sucks. Whereas in this Back one, to the like, Future had it wrong for the record. Oh, is it? Is it actually <laughs> wrong? What do you mean wrong? I was actually asking, like, oh, wow, did they figure that out? No, but, like, that's from, from a purely fictional entertainment point of view, I think that's more enjoyable. The idea that, like, because that, that's kind of butterfly effect, right? Like he does things, and then other things happen. Yeah, he talks about Whereas, butterfly effect, but I can't, ex- I can't exactly remember how he it describes. He puts a, he puts a can of tomatoes inside of a shopping trolley, and then Superman doesn't exist. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like these are not cause effect type situations. So I think the lowlights for me are that some of the plot was a little bit contrived in that sense. Like he does one tiny thing. And it changes everything. And I think if you're going to do that, you might as well make him change quite a lot. That way, um, if everything's going to change anyway, why not? Why not make him a big idiot and just like screw things up massively? Um, I feel like, this is kind of funny. I feel like the, the movie tries to sort of like 
have its cake and eat it as well in a little way, in the sense that, like, dumb Barry is an annoying asshole, right? And then you have intelligent Barry telling him off all the time. And so you get to feel a little bit of catharsis because you get to tell off Ezra Miller a little bit. But at the same time, it's other Ezra Miller doing the telling off. It's like, I've made this annoying character, and I'm going to yell at this annoying character. I don't know. That was that. I feel uh, like that's right. a very existential question or inquiry, I should say. Mm. It's definitely like an existential Maybe. inquiry. When you apply existentialism to something like a paradoxical um, make-believe shift in time and space reality, I think mm. it's it, it'll make it, it'll throw every every logical thought you had in the process out of the window. So. I think it's best to just treat the characters like they are two separate entities. I understand that, but like, and look, you don't really get to see this that much, but if adult Barry, I'm going to call him adult Barry, if adult Barry is telling off teen Barry about being an annoying bastard, adult Barry should have a significant change in personality after this. But that's if you're applying linearity to that character, which I don't think it is. Oh, but it doesn't have to be that linear. Like, if I see young version of myself, and I'm like telling him, "Oh, you know what? You talk all the time, and you and you're so obnoxious. It's so annoying." I should stop doing that. If that was a character trait of mine, right? If I'm acknowledging that that's annoying, I should stop. Mm, yeah. And and I don't know if he does. I don't think he actually doesn't either. Like, I I don't think he has. You don't really interact with him after that very often. So I don't know if he changes or not. So that's neither here nor there the biggest low light for me is i don't know how i'd fill the time in but i don't think the supergirl subplot was worth having mm. like at all yeah the entire yeah. thing yeah um it is just kind of a waste like it takes a lot of time and it takes attention away one thing that i hate about the dc universe in general is that superman is considered like the absolute god and everyone else is like tier two like in justice league superman's just like carrying a house faster than flash is running um supergirl's the only one that has any chance at all to fight zod and when she loses the main character can't do anything like he doesn't even try they never interact with zod they don't even have a shot and i find that kind of shitty like i i wish that they wrote it in such a way where flash could try something rather than just i'm gonna waste time while supergirl does this job and she keeps failing and i can't do anything which, about which it. to That's be fair what, like it shouldn't be a surprise because he they do establish that between the two barrys they say we're gonna buy him her time <laughs> You know, by we're gonna we're gonna hold we're gonna do our best to hold back the Kryptonians just so we can buy her time to do her thing. So, so they do explain yeah. it through a dialogue, and I guess it's just a matter of like, oh, do you accept it or do you not? It's it's not the fact that like like the way that Zod has been set up, the way that Supergirl has been set up. Like, I understand that in universe explanation. I just think for a film, it, it's kind of frustrating that my main protagonist is seen as such a low level compared to the antagonist that he cannot possibly do anything. Yeah, and then that's just a, that's just an issue of the choice that they made to have Zod in the film in the first place. Which, by yeah, the way, exactly. like, and I think I mentioned it to you, I think Zod being in the film didn't need to happen. Like, it, it just, it, it was a complete waste yeah. of time. Like, if you didn't have Zod, then you don't need to either level him down so much that Flash could hurt him, 
or you have to create Supergirl to give Zod some kind of challenge that is, uh, you know, thematically interesting. Because, you know, I bet superhero fans out there would be like, well, Flash can't hit Zod. Zod's so powerful. This doesn't make sense. Yeah. Like, if they got rid of Supergirl, right? But the thing is, like, so they, I made get- it, they made it possible that the Kryptonians could get beaten. Like, look at what... Look at what Batman done to um, giant, giant exactly. uh, Kryptonian. I, mean, I was like, whoa! Like they actually wrote a scene where you'd believe that a human could take out someone like a Kryptonian. Well, doesn't Batman take out Superman? Like in that other movie? Yeah, with Kry- with Kryptonite. Yeah, I just feel like um, well, which they don't yeah. have in this film. They don't have Kryptonite in this film. Why doesn't Barry say, "Hey, you know what? They're really weak against this thing." I don't think Barry knows Wayne, which is in the world. Sure, oh, Bruce Wayne doesn't know. Why can't Barry tell Bruce? Because Bruce hasn't seen Kryptonians uh, yet, right? I don't, don't think Bruce. Uh, I, don't, I don't think Barry knows that Kryptonians can get weak by a Kryptonite. Uh, okay, I thought maybe because he's from the future, he's been hanging out with Superman. No, nah, I don't think he has that kind of interaction with Superman. Uh, okay. Anyway, I, I feel like the Zod Supergirl thing, like you do have to fill that time in with something else. And it would have been much more interesting if Purple Flash was just a much bigger part of this film. And it wasn't just a throwaway, like, oh, it was me. Like, it's such an interesting concept that actually kicks off the film. And, like, that whole concept of... Okay, I'm, I'm taking too long. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My turn. I didn't like Supergirl. <laughs> yeah, go. And you didn't like Supergirl. Supergirl, thank you. That's Tony. Um and his review. Yeah, hated it. Um, yeah, so key highlights and key lowlights. So highlights for me was that uh, I really enjoyed Barry Allen. I really enjoyed Ezra Miller's um, take on both of the Barry Allens. I think he'd done a great job at giving us the differences between those two characters. I always, I found that the characteristics that he applied to both characters made it very, very distinct, and it made you feel like you were watching two different actors, which is a good testament to his his quality and his skill as an actor i think he's great um he like side note as well he, he reminds me of the kind of actor that could really get gritty with method acting as well i feel like he's someone that could take on a method role and just kill it because he has is it just mentally unwell? i think so yeah <laughs> i think it's because he's got this like mentally unstable character <laughs> like uh yeah he's, he's got this kind of like I, I'm able to separate my mind from myself and become whoever. But yeah, I, I think he's super talented and I think he did a great job as Barry Allen. Um, I do like some of the supporting characters as well. I think it's definitely one of the highlights of the film. Um, maybe except with the exception of Iris West. <laughs> I think yeah, she does nothing. I think the supporting characters are, are great. Like I think the mom and dad are great. They're very believable. Got great chemistry. Um, as a family, I felt that they were a legit real family. Um, even though we don't get a lot of screen time with the family, with the time that they're given on screen, I think they were very efficient and they chose the right characters and it was really good scripting for both the mom and dad. And especially the mom. I think the mom, she just really kills it. She has that really nurturing spirit to her that's just yeah. so caring and loving and maybe that's very just it was just a good choice of having that cultural aspect to the mum, you know, her being Spanish. I actually thought that as mm. well. Like the idea that like in this very short amount of time she was on screen, you get the sense that she was just a fantastic yeah. mother. Like 
they get that across. They very get that well. across super quick and very efficient. And I think part of that efficiency was because of her cultural heritage, you know. So mm. I thought that was a great choice. Um, I would have, I would have loved to see, loved to have seen a little bit more of that family time, but um, a lot of that was just eaten up by the third act. Um, yeah. I have some like other highlights as well, and I think some of those highlights, which is probably um unpopular opinion but i think it's like uh, i think it's quite good is the visual effects which comes down to the visual aesthetics of the film andy mushieri said that a lot of the vfx were deliberately done the way it was because it's to give it the stylistic aesthetic which i can understand you know when he goes into the chrono ball and he looks at the multiverse all of the characters they look super vfx almost like play-doh but that's the whole idea. That's the world that he wanted to create. So I actually really appreciated that. Actually, one thing I kind of want to say is a low light. Oh, mid light. I don't know. I felt like they used a lot of weird, uncanny CGI. And I'm, I'm not sure if this is what you're talking about. I think about. it is like, what I'm talking about, yeah. Part of the film, when he's playing with yeah. the babies, yeah. like they are very obviously yeah. fake babies. But I and think I prefer that. I don't think I would have wanted to see real babies flying up. <laughs> Yeah, I I never see a baby flying in the sky and assume that oh man they did that. Yeah, I know, I know. Like, but like, if you, even if you make it super realistic, I, I don't think it would have changed the scene, in my opinion. I just felt like in twenty twenty three, I don't expect that level of obvious CGI for some reason. Yeah, no. did he do that on purpose? Or I think I think it's I maybe know. it's a little bit of both, but I like to see it as it's on purpose and it's supposed to look stylistic. Because Andy Muschietti said in an interview that when when the VFX were were given the brief, he said he said he wanted the VFX to look like the perspective, the POV of the Flash. Mm. So when we see the Flash running, we're seeing it through his eyes. Everything is blurry, everything looks fake, and all that kind of stuff. Which I can understand yeah, to yeah. most people, it seemed like a cop out. But I'm like, well, maybe it is. But well, none of us know what it looks like. <laughs> no, one, none of us know what yeah, it looks like for yeah, yeah. like to run at that speed. So maybe it does look like that. Like if you if you apply logic to it, then logically it seem like it would make sense. But um, I enjoyed the visual aesthetics, and for the most part, like the visual effects, I think done a pretty good job. And it never took me away from the mm. film, or never took me out of it thinking, "Oh, it looks fake," because like you've already created that composition of. Or that expectation of like it's it's a superhero film. Everything's going to be fake anyway. So yeah, um, yeah. So those are one of my highlights. Um, Get to the juicy now stuff. to the juicy lowlights. Um, Iris West wasted time. General Zod and the final act a wasted time. Or I should say, not not just a waste of time. It was kind of fun to see the action set pieces, but it was just a pointless third act when you could have just built on dark flash you could have just built on dark yeah. flash being the nemesis so essentially ezra miller plays three characters you know 2013 and yeah. future flash dark flash and that would have been great because then we would have been able to see another extension to ezra miller's acting and you kind of see that with the dark flash yeah. when he says the very that's few lines that's more interesting story that's more too. interesting yeah like, the story of like this young idealistic person constantly trying to go back to fix something that can't be fixed for his entire life like is an interesting story, yeah. and we don't get to learn about it. Yeah, at all. yeah, and they could have like they could have chopped away the whole Kryptonian third act and really focused on 
future Barry, future Barry slash Dark um, Flash, and then also yeah. focus on present Barry, or we should say Prime Barry, and the kind of person he turns into, knowing what he can turn into. Does that make sense? Did I just confuse? Yeah, <laughs> no, I get that. And like, the thing is, like, as I think about this, right, like the entire plot could have been this. And I'm just going to say it before we get into the recap. It's like, imagine just weird gaps are happening in like the universe or whatever, right? Like worlds are colliding. You see like portals and things are sort of colliding and you don't know what's causing this. And then you slowly find out that it's purple flash. And then you slowly find out that idealistic flash or, you know, young Barry is the cause. Mm. Right. And the entire plot isn't that like he has created a world where everything's like just different and crazy. That's right. But, worlds are bleeding into each other or whatever the case may be but i feel like the idea that he's just created this world where superman doesn't exist and then zod comes and then like it's just it's so many things happening that uh you you have to write you they've written themselves into a corner where so many things need to happen for Mm -hmm. it to make sense Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah. and that's when you just run out of ideas and you just kind of make it up on the fly which is unfortunate yeah because i feel like when you get to the end, right, I'm, I'm going to jump ahead here. You know when the worlds are colliding into each other and then Prime Barry's like, we did this. This is our mm-hmm. fault. I said this when we walked out of the film. I don't know how that's their fault. Like, it's not made clear that him going through time is going to cause worlds to collide into each yeah. other. I, I don't know the cause and effect of that. There is not even a fake theory provided. Mm-hmm. I don't understand how Prime Barry is so sure that this is yeah. his fault. Exactly. Um, all right. Well, let's get into the recap. Um, we're pretty far ahead into the recording <laughs> so far, so let's get into the recap. I'm going to, to read through the entire act. like so, And then we'll talk about it. Uh, same though for act, okay, act two. Let's, let's act, act three. Right, so there's only three points. Yeah, point. yeah, yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. I think that's the best way to do this recap because there's quite a lot to cover. Um, if it's the first time you have tuned into this podcast, just to let you know, what a recap is, and a recap is us walking through the entire script or the entire plot of the film, and then we interject um, at any point. Well, at this point, we're going to interject at the end of the act. <laughs> we're breaking it down into three acts, act one, two, and three, which is the classic structure for a film. Um, and then we'll sort of provide a, a new light or maybe some more insights into the film that myself, Tony, and even yourself as a, as a listener may or may not have have seen or identified so that's the fun part of the recap so um let's get into it wait do you have a do you have that sound? <laughs> yeah yeah the sound went it's gone it's done <laughs> is it with your mouth though like, yeah. <laughs> no I, I did the transition what do you mean uh, all right okay so act one after helping bruce wayne and diana prince stop a bank robbery from a terrorist group wrong or gone wrong in Gotham City, Barry Allen revisits his childhood home and remembers his youth with his parents, Nora and Henry, before Henry's wrongful imprisonment for Nora's murder. Overcome by his emotions, Barry accidentally uses the Speed Force to travel back in time to earlier in the day and informs Bruce about it. 
Despite Bruce's warnings that time travel can have unintended consequences, Barry goes back to the day of Nora's death and prevents it from happening. As Barry returns to the present, he is knocked out of the Speed Force by another speedster and ends up in an alternate 2013 where his mother is alive. He finds his past self and realizes he has arrived on the day he originally obtained his powers. That's a really efficient recap of <laughs> the first act. That's a lot of film. That, that is a lot it, of yeah. film. Okay, so so just really quick, um, the opening scene. Um, the opening scene, we have Barry Allen, who is trying to order his favorite sandwich. What was it? PB and J yeah. and something. Whatever. So it was a very, very long, yeah. complicated. It showed how efficient he is by having an acronym for the entire sandwich. So it shows how efficient he is, but it also shows that he's a very complex thinker. You know, someone who really thinks a lot about the type of sandwich that he has, even though it's probably like... Just spreads and cheese. That's weird. <laughs> I feel like, like in this first scene, he gives me Sheldon vibes. He is very Sheldon. Like, no, that's that's that Barry Allen. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, is yeah. he? Oh, okay. Well, then, yeah, cool. Yeah, then. yeah. Uh, that, that's why I think <laughs> the first, the first, the, the first frame that we meet Barry Allen, it's efficient in telling us the type of person that he is, the the type of charisma yeah, okay. that he has. I I thought it was like a mistake. Um, I thought he was like lovable loser, not like because in 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 uh, Justice League one, he's like a lovable loser. Yeah, but right? you also Whereas get the like impression like that he's a bit of a nerd in the in the first Justice League. Yeah, but nerd is different from like uh, difficult to socially interact with. Mm. Is sort of the, what the sense I got in this sure. film. I, not when I say in this film, in this scene. In this yeah. scene, sorry. Because in the rest of the film, he, he's quite normal. Actually, it's just this first scene that he comes across as Sheldon. Yeah. And I think yeah. a lot of his awkwardness really comes in the form of his 2013 self on an alternate timeline as opposed to primary. See, I feel like... No, no, I took the opposite approach, actually. I felt like young Barry was socially well-adjusted Barry. Like, non-orphan Barry is... You're right like, about that because, um, uh, like, he even says to him... or. I, He's on a date. Yeah, he's on a date, and I think it's it's heavily implied that he's very good socially. Yeah, yeah. I feel like young Barry is, like, socially great, and prime Barry is, like, socially weird. But then, again, yeah. Um, I felt like Justice League, he's just kind of awkward and not has, doesn't have any friends. In this one, he comes across as a bit of a difficult person to be with, but it's just one scene. That's right, yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so, so he, he's, in the, he's in the cafe ordering his, his sandwich. He gets a call from... Um, Alfred is saying that there's a problem that got them general, which is the hospital. Um, by the way, that hospital is pretty bougie. Eh? Like, what kind of hospital has a tower? Oh, nice. A tower yeah. that size, dude. It's bigger than the freaking Westfield Shopping Center tower. <laughs> yeah, for sure. It was like crazy. So, you know what? Actually, kind of fun. I enjoyed this first scene. One, it was very comedic. Like the whole fact that he's trying to eat food so desperately yeah. is it's fun. important for him. Um, it's important for him, and he chooses that over the babies. Like, it's funny. It's a yeah. funny scene. Um, I like the fact that he's kind of the runt of the Justice League, and he's kind of mad mm. about it. It doesn't actually lead to anything, but it's just kind of a funny little, like, why am I always cleaning up bat problems? Yeah, and that, that kind of line actually makes a lot more sense when you've seen the Justice League films, because he is kind of the the, the little kid. He is kind of the little brother to the rest of them. You know, he has to do mm. all the work they tell him to, so he's kind of – he's not bullied, but he's – very much like the little brother of the pack, you know, you do as I yeah. say. And so he carries that over in this film. Um, well, what I actually like is uh, 
there's an awkward piece of comedy that happens when he's on the street and he, he he's already suited up. He's uh, interacting with his fans. And oh yeah, they yeah no, no. But the awkward piece of comedy is when he goes to do his run just before, like just before he do, does his run, the flash title comes up, and then it breaks away, and then yeah. it gets interrupted by the fans. Yeah. And then after they do yeah. their little comedy bit, and it comes back to him, and then it reveals the flash again. I thought it was a little odd. Like I found it funny. Oh, I didn't see the title, the title card come up the second time. I yeah, it comes that. up in the second time like properly. Um, mm. so. I, f- I found it funny, but then when I think about it, it's like, it's odd that that's the only type of comedy in the film. The rest of it is like, I would say comedy that is the flash, like that type of comedy kind of like, it's kind of like, uh, piss take comedy. It's, it's the kind of comedy that I would expect in a scary movie or something, you know, you know oh, what I mean? Like it's, it's right. like yeah. taking the piss and it's doesn't take itself too serious and it doesn't know that it's that it's real or fake or something like that. You know, I, I just thought that was an odd choice for comedy. <laughs> oh, interesting. I think I enjoyed it. I think yeah. generally superhero movies, like any type of comedy I'm a fan of, cause I always want these to be less serious than they always mm. end up being. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's a cool little opening. I like how we get to see um, his powers displayed right at the beginning. So um, once he gets to Gotham General, we have that whole scene with the babies and stuff like that, and it's yeah. with all the puns intended, a baby shower and blah, blah, blah. So I thought that scene was kind of cool. I can get why people didn't really enjoy that baby shower scene um, because of oh, the visual fun. effects, but I thought it was kind of fun. And it was kind of important for us to to understand the way his speed force works because if he grabs those babies and moves those babies at speed force, he'd probably kill those babies, right? Because remember later on, yeah, he, he vomits, vomits like, like crazy, crazy because they can't actually move due to the the force and whatever. So what does he do? He actually moves them quite a bit. No, though, he doesn't really he? move them. Like, and I paid paid more attention the second time I saw it. Is that like uh, he's okay. just he moves, he moves things around, around them. them to protect them from their fall and everything. Yeah, which okay. is kind of crazy, but <laughs> um. And this, this probably they just land on a bed, right? Well, like, it's, think of it kind of like if you're a jumping, like the way I, I sort of see it. If I jumped from a roof, and there was something like in my hands, I'll be holding, I'll be holding and not carrying that thing in my hands. I'll be holding it as I'm falling. So yeah. he's kind of doing that. Like it's pretty shady like physics and shit and science but yeah. you know it's it's good enough like whatever they done in that scene was good enough for me to be like yeah, you don't have to, have to get into the way I, 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 yeah i get you um all right cool yeah act one. so that was like one so we get into act two barry and his younger self go to the central city police department actually like do, do we want to speak about anything to for him to go back in time and meet his parents for the first time did you want to cover that a little bit or we cover that in act two uh, i mean it's a good scene like uh... He's, I think he, from like an, a pure acting point of view, he, he does this one like reasonably. Oh, I want to say reasonably. That's, that's such a, I think he does it really well, Drew. Like he, he's, yeah, I was going to say, like, for someone a, who goes back in time and meets his parents for the first time at an older age, the way he portrayed the emotion yeah. versus him trying to hide it, well. it was phenomenal. Yeah. I was like, whoa, dude, this guy has acting chops. I did. Yeah, I feel like the emotional hit of like all the family scenes 
it is kind of funny, right? Because there are definitely some scenes, like in, for example, Ant Man mm. three, where you're expected to believe that um, the Paul Rudd character, whose name I forget, is like loves his daughter, right? And I think we talked about this a bunch in that review, where they just like, oh, it's his daughter. People love daughters. Everyone out here is a family person. You should understand that. <laughs> Whereas I feel like in this particular film, it actually, like, the, the weight of the performance shows that he really does love his parents. And the fact that he would go back in time to save them, it's not even in question when you see... Yeah, absolutely. Scene. The chemistry like, hits so hard, and I think a lot of that is due to just Ezra Miller and his performance. Um, the choice of scripting, I think, here was, was quite good, too. And just even the lady that's playing his mum. Great, great actors. Mm. Um, I would have liked it. You know how, like, when he meets them, he's like, it's like he's never seen them before. I this is a, maybe like a time travel fallacy that or something, some sort of issue here. Like, I felt like as he was going forward through time, and you see like the mum do like a tenth birthday party, then an eighteenth birthday party. He should have like suddenly got those mm -hmm. memories. I feel like. Yeah, that's definitely like right? time travel rules that you're applying that probably doesn't apply to this film. But doesn't that make the most obvious sense? Like, he has gained eight years' worth of memory. Well, no, because he's actually an alternate Barry. But if he's an alternate Barry, then he shouldn't care if this particular Barry gets his powers. Mm, yeah, I don't think he cares that much. Well, I mean, I, like... What do you mean he cares way yeah, yeah, okay, to make okay, sure he gets okay. his powers? He does care, but I, I think... Barry also doesn't quite. I, I think Barry doesn't also quite understand how the time travel works. He's just yeah. trying to piece together the things that he's gone through that his alternate self that he probably doesn't even understand as an alternate self. He just thinks that's me, and and that's why that that yeah. scene where he goes to Wayne Manor and Bruce explains to him that you've created a alternate timeline, which is the same kind of time travel rules that uh, Avengers Endgame. Um, did as well it's like you don't actually change the future it's not that butterfly effect where you go to the past and then alter the future you've actually just created an alternate timeline yeah i think like like back to the future and i'm thinking endgame might be working off the fork analogy yeah whereas this one like does the whole the, the spaghetti turn mm. sideways analogy well but but also like the MCU has changed their they've not changed it but they've developed or evolved their version of time travel so in loki they explain that it's a branch of that timeline yeah. but now it's actually going to be alternate timelines where the past has got its own past yeah really yeah Oh, I don't like that. I prefer the branch theory. The branch theory makes more logical sense. It's much more fun <laughs> from a fictional. I don't know. I, I think it, I think it's. I think the flaw kind of sinks beneath your feet pretty quick if you create a branch and not alter and alter the the past to then alter and not alter the future. Like it's it it doesn't. I don't think those two points actually link up correctly because at some point in time your past self is going to become the future self, not turn into a different person. Yeah, but, like, you, you created a branch. Like, you know, there's, like, from, like, from zero to five, the same exact stuff happens. So nothing should change there. At point five, something happens that's mm. different, and thus the branch... But occurs. then what happens, like what happens to the original person? They're on the original branch, and now you've made a multiverse. 
That, that's kind of what's happening in Loki, right? That's yeah. fun. But th- th- that's just, that's the essentially idea, the same like, as like you've created alternate timelines. Because <laughs> you've you're now got yeah, two, you've you got two timeline. versions of yourself that exist in both scenarios. Yeah, but it's an alternate timeline from a certain point. Yeah. Whereas, like, because... You know what actually upset me, actually, in hindsight? Is he puts the can of tomatoes in the in the basket, right, when he's 10. And he's, what, how old is he in this other, in, in the original Barry? Like, let's assume it's in 2013, he's mm-hmm. 18, right? So, 20... 2005 he's 10 and you're expected to believe and i know like i'm just gonna say it out loud but i know the answer to this already but like bruce wayne is what 20 at this time in his original universe right bruce wayne talk about michael ben affleck bruce wayne uh, ben affleck bruce wayne is like 20 when ezra miller is 10 is my assumption let's just use that as like the general thing but then Michael Keaton Bruce Wayne is like fifty or forty-five when um, the Flash is ten. Okay, right? He's like twenty years okay. older. So you're telling me that an event that happened when Bruce Wayne was forty affected the fact that he was born when he was born? It just doesn't make sense. And I understand how they explain it, and I accept that explanation. But why would an event that happens when he's already been alive for 40 years affect him being 40 versus 20? Hmm. That's the thing I really didn't like. I don't about know. I have to think about that more. <laughs> because you know what I mean? Like, he's already been born for quite some time by the time that this event mm-hmm. occurs. And like, I know what they say. No, the entire thing shifted. The past changed as mm-hmm. well. And if you just take that at face value, then sure. But... What, you mean to tell me that, like, literally a butterfly flaps its wings and everything changes? Because a can of soup in one trolley, it shouldn't be that momentous. <laughs> well, yeah. There, there's, you, you have to imply that the domino effect is, is, is as strong as it can be in regardless of what kind of changes you make. Right? So, so, yeah. so in this case, it's the tomato soup or the can of tomatoes that is the domino or, like, the first domino. Yeah, that, like, affects time both ways. And, yeah, I go, they explain it. So maybe I shouldn't question this so much, but it just seems... I, I feel like they just wanted to get Michael Keaton in. Yeah. <laughs> a little yeah. bit. I, I, I don't actually... Like, when you look at the story, the Michael Keaton element is the same as the Supergirl element and the General Zod element. You didn't have, need to have those characters in it. Yeah. At all. Like, I think it's fun. I think, do you know what, actually, like, the more I think about it, it feels like it was done for a trailer. Mm. Like, it was done so that he literally says, yeah, I'm Batman. Like, that's a trailer moment. That's not a yeah. film moment. Well, I mean, he, he also <laughs> said it because, like, that's what he says in the original Batman. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm sure. He does. But he, I mean, like, like, he, he says, like, that's why, like, every single Batman film, he says it when he becomes Batman. But the idea that, like, Michael Keaton says I'm Batman, I feel like it was intended for a trailer, which is yeah. how they used it. But again, I'm just, I'm putting words yeah. in people's mouths. And then they just saw way too many opportunistic moments for this movie, and they just went with it. They just fully committed to it. Um, yeah, they're like, you know what, Michael Keaton's available. Oh, okay, cool. Let's well, it, it wasn't so Let's much that. This. It was more so, oh, my God, we need to reset the universe, and we need to create a multiverse. Oh, hey, how about we just, like, get Michael Keaton, because he's the alternate Batman, and... 
<laughs> it's like yeah, it would have those conversations would have happened that way, you know. And it's I did love that Michael Keaton Batman had like the old school logo. Yeah, yeah. like that was cool to me. That was fun. That was really yeah. fun. And it was pretty murky, like like knowing his age at that point in two thousand and twenty three versus how old he was when he did. Like I don't know why they made him older in 2023 yeah. compared to what his actual age is now like why didn't they just go with his actual age <laughs> oh is he is he actually older? Well, I, that's the impression i got maybe i'm wrong about that oh, like he's, he's, like, he's, he's a yeah he's like a rundown guy. like older dude and like i feel like they intentionally wanted to make him feel like he was older than he actually is <laughs> yeah, i actually don't understand why he was uh retired they don't explain like thematic they just what did that hurt? Well, yeah, they just don't explain why he's retired. I mean, I guess he's retired because of old age, but he seems like he's depressed and run down from a lot of th- stuff. There's like a lot of history there that we haven't explored. But um, yeah. it just would have made more sense to me just to bring in Michael Keaton as just a healthy older guy and he's hung up the coat. And you could have just said through dialogue, oh, yeah, I stopped being Batman a long time ago. I'm just old now. <laughs> like, no, I don't know. Like- they didn't have to do that either. Like, I just don't understand. Like, like he's saying, oh, Gotham City is like the safest city in the world. So because of this tomato can, right, <laughs> like, Ben Affleck sucks because he can't pull it off 20 years well, in the future. Well, because of the tomato can is that, like, none of the none of the metahumans exist in this world that they've created. Are you telling me that the metahumans cause Gotham to be a, a shithole? Yeah, well, I mean, like, I, I think the idea is that the, the, the can... The tomato can is isn't really a thing in this alternate reality. It's just in this alternate reality that stuff never happened. Therefore, his parents never died, and um, and that's the thing. And, and Barry yeah, like, didn't become Barry. Well, you have to sort of you have to sort of believe that Barry never gets his powers, but he's only forced to get his powers because another Barry shows up. Another, other Barry. another Barry shows up and says, "Hey, you must get your powers." See, that's the thing that's kind of weird to me. Like, you're telling me that, like, the Atlanteans didn't do whatever they... I didn't watch that movie. Well, so the Atlanteans they don't do exist they in, in this universe. Yeah, and and the Amazonians mm. don't exist, and, like, but Batman yeah, does, yeah. and Superman Girl does. Like, it's fairly arbitrary which things do well, or don't exist, The thing right? is, like, all the metahumans don't exist except for Supergirl. Amazon. No, just Supergirl. Well, Flash does. He forces well, it. Well, he forces it, but he's not supposed universe. to have it. We don't. Yeah, because 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 he he, he he only comes back to to try and replicate exactly what he's gone through, which is get the get the lightning shock and everything, and get the powers. So he he changes the alternate universe yeah. by doing that. Yeah, I still would have loved a scenario where this universe stays the universe, mm-hmm. like that's the one that he stays in. What the one where his parents don't die. Yeah, but the then one. the one that the, the one that has where his parents don't die, it inevitably inevitably comes to an end because General Zod wins every single time. That's, that's the way they've written it. <laughs> like they could have written it differently. Well, that's what I'm saying. You know what I mean? It would have been fun if that was the end. State. That his parents survive and where he has forced, powers. He's forced to stay in this world with none of the established metahumans. Mm. Yeah, that's a cool little blank slate. I feel like you got just there. The world that we currently live in. <laughs> Yeah, but then, like, you know, in the next movies, more maybe people could start oh, coming, right. you know. Then, yeah. yeah. Right. Anyway, <laughs> let us uh, let me read through Act 2, okay? So, 
Barry and his younger self go to the Central City uh, Police Department where Barry forces 2013 Barry to be struck by lightning in order to recreate the accident that gave him his powers. Both Barrys end up getting struck by the lightning, giving 2013 Barry his powers, but causing Barry to lose his own powers in the process. As Barry struggles to train 2013 Barry on how to properly use his powers, the two of them see a broadcast by General Zod, who is preparing to invade Earth. The the Barrys, the Barrys attempt to assemble the Justice League but are unsuccessful. As in the as in this timeline, they are unable to locate Diana Victor Stone, who has not gained his abilities yet. And Arthur Curry was never born. The two travel to Wayne Manor, hoping to find Bruce, but instead find an alternate, an older version of him, who has retired from crime fighting. Bruce explains the concept of the multiverse, revealing that using time travel to alter history not only affects events after the alteration, but before it is well explaining... uh, But before it is... As well, Report, yeah. explaining why Barry notices changes to the timeline that occurred before his initial point of time travel. The two Barrys convince Bruce to help them find Kal-El. Using a backdoor connection to NASA within the back computer, <laughs> Barry and Bruce are unable to locate a Kryptonian pod that was reportedly discovered in Siberia. Upon arrival, they instead find Kalal's cousin, Kara Zoel. After re- rescuing Kara from the faculty, Bruce asks, or Barry asks Bruce to help him get his powers back by recreating the original accident. The first two attempts fail and nearly, killing, uh, nearly kill Barry, prompting Kara to fly Barry into the storm and get struck by lightning a third time, successfully reviving his powers. Okay, so that's act two. Um, mm. <laughs> I just want to say, I feel like he, he just has a computer. Like, there's nothing bat-like about that computer. No, it's 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 weird because I guess I guess he hung up the coat or the cowl back in the '90s, right? Yeah. Because none of that tech has developed. Yeah, but it's just an old computer. Yeah, like- <laughs> yeah. Like he hasn't like do, like you have to assume that he he hung up the cowl like back in the '90s, right? Yeah, no, I get that. I'm just but silly. it's it's kind of weird that. Um, we get all that information from that one computer, I guess. But no, but you know, okay, you, okay. One thing I kind of want to—I'm going to just jump forwards and backwards here, right? The thing I didn't like about um, the Bruce Wayne reveal, um, like, what are they trying to do? Like, he's hiding in a closet, runs out and fights them. One, I think it's like trying to show like new Flash's powers, and it's kind of a comedic thing where old Barry gets beat up a lot. But like, I don't know where I'm going with this. Like, I just, I just felt like that fight scene probably wasn't really necessary. Like, he could have easily have just been a retired, friendly guy. I don't know. No, no. You know what? Like him being like um, nervous and hiding and attacking people that attack him first. Maybe there's something there. <laughs> but like, when you see him, he's got like this big bushy hair. He's got this big beard. It's kind of implied that like he's like this depressed. It is, yeah. It is. It, it is. it is pretty odd I that mean, like he's I, be he'll be hiding and um just finding an opportunity to attack like the potential intruders. It's it's weird. I don't know why they created the scene like that. Like, why didn't they just write him as just a guy that's just old and retired inside his Wayne Manor, and he answers the door like every other person? 
I kind of would have loved, and maybe I don't know how, like, I'm just sort of making this up now, but, like, Gotham is now the safest it's ever been, mm. right? This is exactly what Batman wanted. Are we trying to say that Batman is, like, this broken person? If there's no crime, he's depressed and just making spaghetti alone in his, which, in his mansion? L- which might make sense, because remember he does say, and this is true to his character as Bruce Wayne, is that yeah. he he doesn't know how else to be Bruce Wayne without going through the tragedy of his parents. So him yeah. going through and fighting crime, creating a world where it's the safest it's ever been, could have sent him into depression yeah, like you can, because he doesn't know yeah. what else to do yeah, now. Like no purpose, yeah, he, he's yeah. got no purpose in, in life anymore. And so uh, maybe that's implied, but it's, again, it's like unclear and it's just, it's, it, it seems like an unnecessary thing for us to like hypothesize about, but we are hypothesizing yeah. about it because it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> I think, and one thing that's kind of uh, a bit silly, which again, I'm going to preface this by saying it's just part of the script and I get it, but the idea that like Batman has this really nuanced view of time travel, it was odd mm. to me. Yeah. <laughs> like, because when you get to the end of the I movie, I think you mentioned the say, Prime, the movie. Yeah, Prime Barry's like, Batman was right. <laughs> This is a fixed point. And I'm like, why are you trusting Batman with time travel? He he can't do that. He's got no idea what's going on. <laughs> but they only you know make I mean? that like they only like make that comment after the fact of them trying. I think they should have showed him try like a lot more. He gives up very quickly. Oh no, they tried like three times, didn't they? And then they tried more after that. I think. Like, yeah, he does it two mm. times and then other Barry keeps doing it and he stops yeah. helping. And he tells him this is a fixed point, we can't change it. Hmm. Yeah, and I'm like, dude, you haven't really explored this. You're just kind of taking Batman for his... Okay, unimportant. <laughs> unimportant. I mean, I think two times um, is like pretty clear. It's like, oh, we can't change it. But I mean, like he, he kept trying and, and then um, it becomes more apparent that he kept trying when he meets Dark Flash and Dark Flash tells him, like, I've been trying for the last, like, whatever, how many long, a millennia. Yeah. Yeah, hmm. that makes sense. One thing that I do want to point out here is the scene where he meets the roommates and they're just doing a lot of like fun little time travel things. Like Eric Stoltz yeah. is, is Back yeah. to the Future and um, Kevin Bacon's the guy in Top Gun. <laughs> it's probably my favorite scene in the film, which I'm not sure what that means. Maybe that's a bad thing. Yeah, it's a funny scene. It's my favorite. It's, 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 some, it's some good comedy actually between the two characters. I think it's good. Yeah, like like a lot of the comedy that I enjoyed, it was actually just between the two Barrys. Uh, one of my favorite scenes is yeah. when he... When he's when they're sitting there eating the pasta, and then he's like, "Wait, you're Batman?" And he's like, "What did you do? What did you think we're here for?" He's like, "I thought this was the yeah. cousin's dinner." <laughs> yeah, that was funny. Like, I, that's one of the things that I really that's enjoy about this film is again, like, like, dumb Barry, and you get to experience all. Of and he's very things. believable. Like, it's like when he delivers yeah. that that line, he's like, "Wait, you're Batman." <laughs> One thing I really didn't like, and I want to get your thoughts on this, actually, is there's this really sort of heart, well, not warming, like, emotional scene where Batman's like, why do you want to stay here? And he's like, this is the, the universe where my mum lives, yeah. and um, I can't tell him. How do you tell someone that? And other Barry mm-hmm. hears it. And to me, that was, like, this moment of potential, like, understanding, of potential, like, maturity. And I feel like they gloss over it. I feel like they they actually say, do you know why I'm here? And like, yeah, because mum died. Ugh. Like, he just, it doesn't have an effect on him mm. or something. I don't know. Like, it, it just doesn't give the, 
I, I don't know why they included that scene if they weren't going to give it any emotional weight. I understand, I think, in the plot, he's already, like, quite agitated and on the way to being Purple mm. Flash by the time he brings it up, but it feel, felt like a waste. Yeah, I didn't really find that as an issue, because um, cause I think at that point of the story, um, 2013 Barry's kind of like, well... Uh, like I, it's been, I don't know. Like it's been a few hours since I learned this information. Since like you know, I've been sitting underneath, like listening to that truth. But yeah, and I understand like all the work that we're doing now, leading up to this point, it was all because you're trying to prevent um, my universe from collapsing. So I think it's there was an, an ample amount of time for him to sort of realize that there's quite a lot of hard work to get done here in order for my universe to survive. And that's why he sort of thinks to himself, okay, it's, it's a very strong conviction and a belief for him to, he can fix it and that he's, he's going to change the inevitable outcome of this ultimate timeline. But they don't know it's inevitable yet, right? They don't know anything. No, about no. Any, like he, they just inevitable. keep trying. He just keeps trying. He has a really good reason to want to keep his universe yeah. alive, right? I, because it's his universe, I just felt like he would gain some sort of understanding of um, Prime Barry, which I think just never really mm. happens. Yeah. That's all. I thought there was going to be a very emotional moment between the two Barrys, and it just nah, never came. Nah. And that was kind of. And also, like, like, Prime Barry just. He still, at that point, doesn't realize that this doesn't affect his timeline. <laughs> he just thinks that this timeline. He thinks it's, he his, thinks it's timeline, his timeline right? that he's affecting. Um. And 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 he if he buys into the spaghetti scenario, then he must be aware that it's not his. Timeline. Yeah, but but I think um, he's never been this close to saving his parents, right? And I think that's an overwhelming yeah. emotion for him to just really apply any kind of sense of logic. <laughs> you know what I think would have been fun, and this is a complete aside. Like, if they get rid of the whole Zod thing, right? This is, this is me trying to make up a plot again, and you know. You know, listeners, whatever, tell me if this is dumb or not. Um, if they get rid of the entire Zod storyline, and like maybe he's causing problems, blah, 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 he goes back, and instead of actually trying to stop her getting... Oh, actually, no, this is not going to work. I'm just going to say it anyway, <laughs> I've already started this. Because when the can is there, his mum doesn't die, right? How cool would it be if the person who murdered her was like, trying to hunt them down or trying to prevent them from doing what they do um, was a big part of the plot. And I think that kind of gets washed away because it's just clearly just a random robber, right? Like, they kind of make that, um, they make that call. And the fact that it doesn't happen if the dad never leaves implies that they weren't anyone particularly special. <laughs> but if they were special, they would in a fun plot. <laughs> Leads into, like, some kind of Batman villain, perhaps? No. <clears throat> I'm just thinking, like, Imagine that was something that needed to happen because it wasn't. It wasn't quite just something as simple as a theft mm. gone wrong. Well, you know, like if you, if you put it that way, the mum dying at that point could have also been a fixed point in reality, and he just has to go to a different timeline to try and find that. You know, yeah. Like, but you know, that's not the way that the story's been written. So. I know. I just, I'm just thinking. I keep thinking about like you get rid of Zod and you have to fill it with yeah, something. Yeah, you fill it. You, you fill it more with like the three berries. You know, the Dark Flash Barry and yeah. Like you, you can still build out that whole thing. You can actually build out the third act to like from his interaction with the 2013 parents. 
You could actually develop all that, yeah. like a lot more. That would be way, way cool. I think that would be, yeah, you're right. That would be so much, like, if it was just such a personal story of mm. Barry, his parents, the things he would do for his parents, and then the things he will do in order to make sure his parents yeah. keep living, and then realizing it's wrong, growing mature, doing the hard decision to make it go away, that's crazy good. Yeah, that's a great sure. story. One thing I wanted to raise as well, sorry, before we move on to Act 3, um, we talked about this in person, but it wasn't recorded, so I want to say it so that people, so that we get credit. <laughs> it's dumb. It is dumb that um, Supergirl is, like, talking shit about humans because um, the first humans she meets lock her up, and then she goes and sees a Kryptonian kill a bunch of people. She feels sad about it and then realizes, oh, yeah, terrible people in all races. Like, <laughs> that transition from... You saved me. I like you, but I'm not going to save you because Kryptonians are my people, not humans. Humans are terrible. Goes and sees a Kryptonian doing something dodgy, going, oh no, I'm now with the humans. And then she comes and like flies Barry to the moon so that he gets his powers back. I thought that uh, it made me respect her less. I don't know. She's got no conviction at all. She's like easily persuaded, man. She's like under any kind of peer pressure, she'd collapse. Just want to yeah. in the room. Well, I was actually going to mention it in the third act, but yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so let's get into the third act. Kara uh, <clears throat> and Bruce join the two barriers to fight Zod's forces. During the battle with Zod, uh, Kara learns that Zod intercepted an infant Kalar's escape pod and killed him during a failed attempt to retry- retrieve the codex needed to repopulate the Kryptonian species. That's actually a very fast recap for anybody who hasn't seen Man of Steel was that the whole point of General Zod going to Earth, tracking down Kal-El, was to take the Kryptonian DNA from Kal-El himself um, and repopulate the species on Earth. With yeah. uh, I, thought, I thought giving us that closure that I have killed hmm. Superman uh, was not necessary. Yeah, and it actually kind of doesn't make sense, in, uh, and I'll talk more about this a little bit later. This actually doesn't really delete Henry Cavill from the universe. <laughs> When were they, they, they killed him as a baby. No, because that's that? an alternate timeline. It's not the same timeline. Oh, <clears throat> uh, yeah. yeah. Cross holes. No. <laughs> uh, with Zod revealing the Codex was within Kara and not Kal-El. The two fight with Zod overpowering and killing Kara and obtaining the Codex from her blood, while Bruce also sacrifices himself in an unsuccessful attempt to take down a Kryptonian ship. The two Barrys travel back through time to save their companions, but are unable to change their fates. Barry realizes that they will not be able to save them. But 2013 Barry keeps trying, repeatedly traveling back through time. Oh, wait. Repeatedly in and of itself. Eventually, the corrupted speedster who originally knocked Barry out of the Speed Force returns and is revealed to be a future version of 2013 Barry, who still believes he can save his world from Zod and prevent the deaths of Bruce and Kara. He explains the casual loop paradox that led to his own creation, but grows angry when Barry reveals his intention to reverse the changes to the timeline by letting Nora die. Enra- <coughs> Enraged, the dark speedster attempts to kill Barry, but 
impales 2013 Barry, who sacrifices himself to save Barry and wipes the dark speedster from the timeline. In the aftermath, Barry undoes the changes he made to the timeline and comes to terms with his mother's death. However, makes a minor change in the past, creating the new evidence... I was right. <laughs> However, he makes the yeah. minor change of the past, creating the new evidence in the in the present day that proves Henry's innocence. After returning to the present and helping to exonerate he- uh, Henry, Barry is contacted by Bruce, who appear whose appearance has changed once again as a result of Barry's action. Who is now yep. George Clooney? <laughs> yep. End of the film, and I love this synopsis now. Thank you. <laughs> I feel vindicated. I feel vindicated. Yeah. Although you know, this is just a plot synopsis from uh, Wikipedia, so it could be wrong. <laughs> hey, someone, we we have never pushed Wikipedia before, man. In our entire lives. Yeah. So he makes that change with the can of tomatoes. You're right, and it creates an alternate timeline, which is well, it doesn't create an alternate. Yeah, it doesn't create it. It does. Does it? I don't think it creates an alternate timeline. I think he just creates George Clooney. No, timeline. I think he just. I think, I think he just now. goes to another timeline. Because remember, oh, remember okay, timelines sure. get, are already created. Yeah, you have to presume that the multiverse already exists. He's just jumped to a different timeline. So I want to say this is like plot hole. You know, you call me plot hole Tony because I always do plot hole stuff, which is frustrating. But I think it's terrible terrible writing that he acknowledges that saving his mother has caused irreparable problems that he couldn't solve he goes back and emotionally lets his mother die but then decides i'm gonna do a change anyway and let's just see how this goes and you know like putting a can of tomatoes into a trolley is a very innocuous thing right you would assume that putting tomorrow's on the top shelf is equally innocuous it's an equally it's an equally uh non-relevant thing to change the idea that he would go back and let his mother die and then take another chance like this like it kind of worked out for him but i just do not understand why barry thought that that but was then a it, smart like thing to, do. to your point it just makes the rules unclear about time travel <laughs> Yeah, but like, like, you know, but like his motivations, it's so weird. He has like over many, many failed attempts, comes to terms with the fact that he can't change anything and his mother must die. And then in his next move, changes something so that his dad can get yeah. out of prison. Like the idea that you're okay with your mother dying, but then you still want to take a chance to try and make your dad get out of prison early. It, it's my but you have to sort of assume also that. It's possible for him to try different scenarios too. He just, he just at that point, he he thought, okay, maybe the only chance for me to have one of my parents is just by having the canned tomatoes like on top of the chop shelf. Why not like have maybe seventy five different attempts to keep his mother alive? Like he let go of his mother being alive well, very quickly. Like- In their defense, he did. He'd been trying for maybe a hundred years. No, but he's only trying to win a fight, Hmm. right? Like, he's not trying to... I think the assumption here... I think the assumption here is that the the one instance where the can of tomatoes stays inside the trolley is that timeline where the world eventually comes to an end. That cannot change. 
Yeah. You could have done one where he left the trolley out and then he waits for the thief to come and he kills yeah. the thief. Like that yeah, yeah. Like, like, so, so instead, in like the times, the things that he alters in that timeline, what could have yeah. happened is that the 2013 Barry, or let's say the 2013 timeline, <clears throat> it could have been a different situation where maybe like he... I don't know, like maybe he puts the trolley in a different direction and it takes her way too long to like look for a trolley or something. And then it changes the timeline. Yeah. But it, what what Barry doesn't realize in 2013 that he's trying to change everything after the fact of that tomato can as opposed to the tomato yeah. can itself. I totally get that. I just feel like Prime Barry, who's figured out that he can't move the tomato can, should, should, and again, like this, maybe I'm reading this wrong, but he probably should be so shaken by what he's just done that he doesn't do another random mm. thing. Yeah, yeah I, like, I think that's what you're trying to say. You're trying to say that, like, dude, you should be traum- traumatized by this whole thing. Don't change anything. Yeah, like, you should be, like, when you've come to terms with, like, my mother must die, this can't be, We, it's not going to work, I don't, under- I don't understand why he turns around and goes... But maybe the tomatoes on the top shelf might be okay. But, but see, the you thing is, I mean? like, I I think we're both right in the situation. I still want to stand by me thinking yeah. that I don't think he actually realized what he's done because, but because like yeah. the top shelf has a line of canned tomatoes, exact same thing. And I'm watch this a third time for you because like I don't recall. I only picked I it up in the, in the it. second time I watched it. I was like. You- you were actually okay. You were looking for it. So I, I wasn't looking for it. I, I was just like, just watching it normally, and I was like, "Oh, holy shit! There's actually a can of tomatoes on the top shelf." But the synopsis said he. Yeah, so, so I'm gonna. I wanna that's why I'm synopsis. thinking. Like, I think we're both right here. Like, even even if the can of tomatoes, like, is on the top shelf, I think I still think you are right because I think this is more a problem with the with the script, more so and less a what problem I- of like. If he doesn't make the change, then my whole thing falls apart, right? Like, him making the change causes my argument to exist. If he doesn't make the change, like, if your argument is correct where there was already a top shelf of tomatoes, then my whole thing doesn't exist and it's fine. Yeah, but then but then even but, yeah. if I'm right about that, it doesn't actually make sense where George Clooney is the Batman in that universe. Yeah, because that's the thing. Like, if he doesn't make any change, but for some reason the dad looks up this time... That you have all, make like, sense. Like, so my, my only explanation around is like if 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 my argument is correct about the can of tomatoes being on the top shelf, my my Already. my then explanation is that he just jumped to the wrong timeline and he doesn't realize it. Yeah, he he, he jumped to a timeline where his, his dad, dad is innocent. Is, is proven innocent. Yeah. Oh no, he's not his dad is innocent, but his dad looked up, yeah, not exactly. down this time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and it's just luck, like, and, and so he just went to a different. I want to believe timeline. that one. That yeah. makes more sense. Um, I would have liked the timeline where he accepts that he can't do anything, and then decides, you know, what, I'm just going to vibrate my dad out of here. <laughs> and then it's like flash yeah, on the run. That doesn't make yourself as issue though, because his dad is going to be on the run forever. <laughs> um, you know, you know, like what do you mean? He's going to be with his dad. Yeah, but it's like his dad's going to be on the run. Like he, he's going to be hiding forever. Yeah. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. So, well, anything else you want to say about Act Three? No, I mean that's really about it. Um, I, th- I think we've set our pieces about Act Three. We're, I don't think I've changed my. We've had a lot about Act Three. Actually, I haven't changed my opinion about that. 
um, Supergirl didn't need to be there. It doesn't make any sense that she would know that Barry needs to get his powers from the lightning. <laughs> yeah, that was funny. So like, she's like, oh, like, like, I, I noticed that in the first screening. I was like, why the hell does she know that <laughs> he needs to be electrocuted? She's like, it'd be funny if she's like looking at them going, that's weird. They're trying to electrocute him, but I, I can help with that. I'm, I've got <laughs> but instead it, was, instead it was more like, oh, that's right. You're in that chair. Yeah, you need to get electrocuted. Yeah, I'll help you out. <laughs> Yeah, that's, that's like that's a really inefficient way to do this. I'll help you out. I still maintain that I think right, Prime Barry dying in this scene would have been mm, cool by the electric shock. <laughs> yeah, like it just fails. He just doesn't pull it off, and then uh, young Barry is essentially Barry. And then I don't know how you write the rest of that movie, but I think it's that's like just what fun. happens that's just to fun. the main continuity. If Barry dies, that's the question. You still got a, you still got a Barry. Boom! You've reset the universe. No, no, you like Prime Barry's. He died in two thousand and thirteen. So then, what happens to Prime Barry's timeline? It's Barryless. Yeah, it's an interesting. But goal. um, so I would say that like some yeah, like supergirl just constantly losing i think also makes me like her less like it's like it's so irrelevant because she just constantly gets wrecked right like just constantly loses in pretty dumb ways a lot of the time too yeah. <laughs> she just gets like innocuously stabbed it's, um, just a, it's a waste of those characters so i don't know why you would ask michael shannon to come back recast the superman and well not recast the superman but recast the superman's position and put in supergirl and then only to just kill off those characters by the end of the film and not yeah. have them be a part of the extended universe i don't understand the the reason behind that um and i was even watching michael shannon's interview about it he was like yeah look they asked me to come back i at first i didn't really want to do it but he said something like okay, it's like andy muschietti he's a nice guy and he sort of convinced me and i was like sure whatever I remember he said uh, in an interview, he's like, he's just a bad guy for for uh, Flash to overcome. Mm. And you know what pisses me off about that? He doesn't <laughs> even overcome him. He like, doesn't even stand Flash. anywhere near him. Well, I mean, I guess he doesn't does the super speed with him. Run, but that's about it. Yeah, he, like, the super speed thing is, and that's the thing that kind of, okay, look, it's kind of interesting now that I think about it, because I was going to say that, like, it doesn't even make no. a dent. Right, like he doesn't even get close to killing him, and maybe that's the point of those scenes to show that like they have no hope yeah. whatsoever. Like the dire situations, be- they have no hope. But like you can still put them in dire situations and no hope without having that because it's because you still got to commit to this idea of having a fixed point in time where you cannot change that. Right. So, like, imagine there's no Supergirl and it's Flash constantly losing to Zod. Yeah, I think that would be more impact. You could have an equally no hope because Flash surely can't do anything mm. to Thought, right? Which is kind of... I feel like this is kind of the problem with these Justice League movies. Like, the bad guys just so much stronger than each mm. of the heroes um, to the way that it's kind of not enjoyable anymore. But anyway, I'm not going to talk <laughs> about that. Um, this middle paragraph about the two Barrys traveling back through time and then, like, you keep trying repeatedly and then the corrupted Barry, like... That is probably one of the most interesting plots in this film, and it's resolved in about mm-hmm. three minutes. Yeah. And then, and, and amongst that, like very short period of resolving that issue, 
where you get the worlds colliding, the different universes colliding upon, on top of each other, which yeah. and that's it's, fun, it's fun to watch and it's a cool little nerd moment, especially for people that knew anything about Nicolas Cage's casting as uh, Superman. Which, do you know about this? I had no idea. No, no, no. You were like, this is so cool. And I'm like, oh, yeah, Nicolas Cage. I just thought it was a meme. <laughs> it's effectively a meme. Right? Like, it, it is kind of a meme. Yeah. So just real quick, you know, for the listeners as well, if you don't know much about this whole story about Nicolas Cage being Superman as a cameo in the Flash film, um, back in the early 90s, early 90s or the mid-90s, um, they actually were going to make a Superman movie called Superman Lives, which is um, – and having Nicolas Cage cast as Superman. Um, and he did screen tests and everything. He's there's pictures of of him all over the internet in the Superman costume with long hair and everything. Yeah, because wow. the Superman Live story is an interesting one where he dies at some point. He gets killed by Doomsday, and then he gets revived, comes back as long hair Superman in the black suit. And so, isn't that what happens in Justice? That's what happens in Justice League. Yeah, and he comes back. He doesn't come back with long hair. Just comes back with a black suit. But in the yeah. in in the test screenings with Nicolas Cage, he's in like the shiny uh, Christopher Reeve slash like aerobics costume. I was more excited by the Christopher Reeve. Um, okay, yeah. Actually, yeah. Christopher Reeve and Nicolas Cage is more like weird CGA, like uncanny mm. yeah. stuff. I understand why Christopher Reeve yeah. did that. I get that. Anyway, yeah, sorry. so, yes, so, so Nicolas Cage was, yeah, he was he was fully cast. Tim Burton was going to direct the film, Superman, Superman Lives. And um, the writer of the film, I can't remember who the writer was, but he, he had this ridiculous imagination about what he wanted. Oh, either the writer or the producer. Don't quote me on it, but it's it's one of those. I feel like it's the producer. Someone yeah, I feel like it's the producer that really wanted um, Chris, uh, Kevin Smith to write whatever he wanted to do with Superman Lives. So long as the third act was Nicolas Cage fighting a giant spider. <laughs> right. So you, you were like, oh, yeah, because it's great. like, it's super meta. Like you know, this whole, this whole yeah. scene that's written is a very written meta script. And so Kevin Smith was kind of like, what the hell? Why do you want a big giant spider fighting Superman? That's the weirdest shit ever. We're yeah. not going to do that. And thankfully the movie, movie never got made, but but they it. managed to actually put that in this film, and he fights a, a giant spider in the third act. <laughs> he, <laughs> and wins he wins too. too. Well, and you know what? That, that scene yeah. looks freaking wicked. <laughs> it looks cool, right? It's funny because like I was watching Kevin Smith's uh, review on this, and his review is like way longer than our podcast review here. But he was talking about how he got so excited when he he got to see that that version come to life for the first time ever. And it'll never, ever come to life. But he was like, dude, like I thought it was the stupidest request ever from this producer guy who wanted Superman to find, uh, to fight this big spider. But he was like, man, Andy Muschietti pulled it off. It looked wicked. I want to see that movie. <laughs> it been cool. Yeah. I would have loved like a dogma style. Uh, Superman. yeah. That would have like been great. That would have been like, great. Like, uh, Kevin Smith and, uh, and Jay? Have you seen Kevin yeah, Smith? Um, he did with, uh, with, uh, with ben Affleck. Matt Damon. Matt Damon. Right, yeah. yeah. Imagine like that kind of energy. <laughs> with Superman. That would have been brilliant. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, interesting. I mean, like those cameos at the end were, were pretty cool. It was a fun moment. Um, I'm hearing a lot of the complaints about those cameos, though. 
like people were people were complaining oh, really? about Why? how it's disrespectful to bring back the dead like that, you know, like Christopher Reeve and all that kind of stuff. Nah, and I was like, nah, what? Come on, really man! Like seriously, if he didn't have a wheelchair in that scene, I yeah, disrespectful. Yeah. But can you imagine he comes back in, the, as in a wheelchair? Um, but no, I, I don't think that's disrespectful at all. Ever... Remember Lois and Clark? Who was that? Dean Kane. What was that guy's name? Yeah, they should have yeah, been changed as man. Well. And it's funny, like they got the old flashes to come back in, but they got um, the guy that's playing the old Flash in the Flash. <laughs> it's confusing. The guy's playing the retro Flash in the um, cameo scenes. He's the retro Flash from the CW show. Who's retro? retro Flash? You know, like you, we, when we see the worlds collide. And we see like a black and white oh, version of the Flash. There's a couple of flashes in there too. There's a there's a oh, black and white yeah, Flash. Yeah, yeah. That there, there's like a Flash who's dressed in like World War. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, like, that's that's that? retro what Flash. That's the Flash from the forties or something. Was the old costume literally a guy in an army uniform? Yeah, it was kind of like that. You know, like that was their ideas back back in that time. But oh, okay. but that Flash that. is yeah. the same guy that plays that type of Flash in the CW version. The TV series. So you don't actually... Oh, because I thought that show is actually... Yeah, everyone loves that show. But the, but the weird thing is that they get that guy to play the retro Flash of the retro Flash of that CW TV show, but they don't get Grant Gustin, yeah. who plays the main Flash, to come back in cameo. That is weird. <laughs> but you know what's funny? Like, you are seeing, like, all of this meta stuff, and I'm just a guy seeing, like, yeah. stuff. Like, I, like, I recognize Dean... Uh, I recognized um, Christopher yeah. Reeve, and I thought oh, that's a cool cameo. But then there was all this like stuff. It's just like just stuff on my yeah. screen. So like, as a, as a neutral, I don't think I enjoyed it. it as It'd much be as interesting to, to hear what like what other people thought about it. People that didn't know anything about the whole Nicolas Cage story. Um, I didn't. Again, like I thought it was like, huh, Nicolas Cage, <laughs> yeah. Superman. That's fun. That's pretty that's, weird, though. Hey? You, like, <laughs> and you were like, check yeah. this out. And I had like, yeah, it's yeah, fun. Like, 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 it didn't really hit yeah. me at all. Um, I like that they got yeah. George Reeves in there as well. You know, he played the Superman from the fifties, right? Like the first the one, very right? first live action yeah. Superman film was George Reeves, and that's the one who they have like, um, I don't know, it's like one of the first worlds yeah, that collides. Yeah. I don't even know what a colliding world does. Does it destroy the world? Know. Like it's not even. I don't that know what does. <laughs> <laughs> like it doesn't make any sense that it collides because Barry keeps like going back in one fixed point in time as well, right? In one fixed point in time, it, it, yeah. it sort of just breaks the fabric of the multiverse. Don't know how that happens. I don't. That's the thing. Like this is the biggest issue I have with the film. Um, I don't know why traveling in time breaks things or causes things to collapse into each other. Like that's just not clear mm. why it's happening. I don't know. Like visually, it doesn't look very good. That worlds are colliding, but I, I could accept that their timeline breaks for sure. But doesn't doesn't even break. You know what actually doesn't even break. Really, what's happened is he's done this timey stuff. So now there's a new times thing, and in this particular time world, uh, an event happens that they can't stop. Mm. The time freakout doesn't seem to happen. It's just like. You've just kind of set a particular set of circumstances where Superman is no longer here to say, to mm. stop Zod. Yeah, like it, it would have been much more entertaining, I think, if time falling apart was actually the problem that was yeah. trying to solve. Yeah, for sure. Like you know, I was watching um Ant Man two recently, where the girl like her atoms are like mm-hmm. kind of floating. 
that would have been a, I mean, maybe it's, it would be seen as a sort of a ripoff, but like that kind of concept of like, you know, people are kind of like half disappearing, half not because time is funky. Yeah. I don't know. I want to try and rewrite <laughs> this thing one day. One day we're going to rewrite <laughs> everything. Like we're going to compile all the problems that we have with all these different films in our podcast and we'll make a good story out of it. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have to like do one on like on like an iPhone, and then everyone's gonna hate it, and, and we're the only ones that's gonna praise it. Yeah, <laughs> you know that's, that's fine. fine that's me. fine. Um, all right, yeah. so that's our recap of the Flash 2023. Um, final thoughts and a rating, Tony, or you? Uh, I don't know. Final thoughts. Look, I think the first one and a half acts is actually a pretty damn good film. It's entertaining. It's a fun concept. It's um, comedic, and I just I just find sort of like how Flash, how Barry and other Barry interact really quite fun. Um, I think the second one and a half um, acts is quite boring. There's just a whole lot of action with nothing else, no substance to it. It's very obvious that Supergirl adds nothing, Zod adds nothing, um, and just so many things don't really make sense. And it kind of annoys me that like, the main antagonist doesn't really make sense. And then also that post, not that post, like that close to credit scene doesn't really make sense for the character. That's a really big detriment in my eyes. Um, so what do I think about this movie? Um, I might give it like a seven. Mm, okay. Nice. Okay. Yeah. I just think like the fun parts are fun enough. The bad parts are just the mindless action stuff. And usually when it comes to these superhero movies, this is probably going to piss people off, but I find the action scenes are always the shittiest anyway. (laughs) Tell them, you tell them. I don't know why that is, but if you watch like Batman, right? When he's like punching people when he's actively punching people, it's usually the most boring parts of the film. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. Um, okay, so think? for me, I I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it a lot more the first time. Second time, I didn't enjoy it as much. I like my rating, my initial rating. The second time I saw it, it dropped down. Give like give your first rating, my first rating, I think. and then my final rating. You should because like, <laughs> no, your final rating should be your first rating. Don't let don't let double watch really? affect you. Okay, that's fair. So. Yeah, really enjoyed it the first time. Second time, didn't enjoy it as much. I think I was, I was the story issues were becoming a lot more magnified the second time I watched it. Um, yeah, and I, I think even if I didn't see it for a second time, taking time to review and think about and recap how we would normally do on a podcast, I think I would have really um, come to grips with what I would think the film is worth. Right? Um, uh, you do a post. A, a post, post recap, recap drop. drop. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I really like Ezra Miller as the Flash, and I really want to see him come back as the Flash. Um, I mm. like Andy Muschietti and his his direction, and also his choices for cinematography and camera work is quite good. I want to see him do more superhero films, and we are going to see him do more superhero films. He's actually um, being confirmed as the director for Batman: Brave and the Bold, which is the story about the Wayne family. Um. So is that like Gotham? Is that like Gotham? Um, I, th- that? I think it's just essentially a Batman story, but it's going to be focused on the extended Wayne family, like and the Graysons and all that kind of stuff, which is Robin and blah blah blah. So he's already Batman at this. Point. I think I don't know. Oh. Like, I actually don't know much about the Brave and the Bold story, but apparently it's like one of the best Batman iterations. Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Um, 
Diedrich Bader is back. What? No, this is a 2008 yeah, TV series. series yeah. <clears throat> um, so, yeah. All Up, um, I would probably rank it in, like, number four or something in the DCEU as it stands before James Gunn takes over. And I would give this movie a seven out of ten. Yeah. Give it a seven. Oh, so we both got sevens out of ten. That's actually the first time we've both had the same rating as well. We've, yeah, we've never been even, except for... No, you might be right. Yeah. yeah. We're never the same. same. This is, this is a good thing. thing. Um, hey, real quick, because yeah. I, I heard your thoughts about Air, which I've already reviewed on this podcast. Yeah. Um, what did you give that out of 10? Oh, okay. What did I give? Uh, I didn't really think about it in that respect, but it would be like a 9-ish or a 10-ish. Like, it would be high. You um, saw I gave I... it a 10, right? Yeah. 10 did you? 10. Oh, okay. Because it's, me... it's very hard to fault a good film like that story the dialogue i think i'm i'm biased in the sense that i enjoy these kinds of underdog businessy kind mm. of films so i kind of want to give it a 10 but, but also you, you're time, always like, like very difficult to give 10s because <laughs> 10 is like I, I perfect right and like nothing can be lot. perfect yeah to me like a 10 is like a godfather or something no like way that way you know godfather I mean? is that, like, 10 <laughs> You don't like the Hey, Godfather? just because I don't say it's a 10, it doesn't imply that I don't like it. <laughs> no, it yes, it does. <laughs> if it's not a 10, you must dislike that film. Because <laughs> otherwise you'd give it a 10. I'll, I'll tell you this. I don't like it as much as everyone else. Like, And clearly I don't like it as much as you don't like it. Man, the first one. Like, I understand people make having second thoughts on the second one because the second one's kind mm. of all over the place. But the first one? I don't give it a 10, no. I'd what do you give it, like... Nah, I'd probably give it like eight. <laughs> oh man, and that's well, like a like, what, that's what, like what? a that's like a soft eight as well. It's not like a solid eight. <laughs> is that like a peer pressure? Nah, eight? Like, it's, it's more like, like a like, look. I can understand, like I can see why some of these um, uh, structural points in the film are really, really good. So I'd give it an eight for that respect. But I don't think it's a ten. No way. Do you think Shawshank's better than oh, that? Oh, Shawshank? No, nah, Shawshank probably rated in the same same rating. Oh, man. Okay, I, don't, <laughs> I feel like I'm such a mainstream movie guy compared to you. Because, like, all the classics I just no, the love. the classics are good. I just don't think any of them are as good as what people make them out to be. Yeah, I do. <laughs> <laughs> you're not alone in that camp. Trust me. You're not alone in that camp. Yeah, like sure, sure. I can watch that every like week for the rest of my life. Really? I think I'd have a good. It's such time a depressing time. film to watch. Yeah, time. man. Oh, but the, the 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 story of hope by the end. Story of, of hope, it, man. Like, Superman is a story of hope. <laughs> story of Superman is like yeah, the first two, the two, first two acts <laughs> are great. <laughs> um. But you've got, I don't know, like, like those movies aren't really tend to me. I think they're really good films, but you know, like. Mind you, like, I haven't actually seen those films, like, anywhere close to when I started to become very, very analytical in films. I watched those films back in the day when I didn't understand what films were, really. I just, I just understood. That's the thing. You should like it. You should like it more. Well, I haven't like, seen you it. Dumb. Well, no. Like, <laughs> like. I'm a dumb fan. You should no, no, no. Like, back then, I just enjoyed watching films in general. I just watched anything. And, and so, like. Yeah. I haven't seen that film probably for 15 years. I would really be interested in seeing those films again because I would see them very, very different to how I did back then, for sure. 
Um, so I wouldn't mind watching like Godfather one and you two. Do, um, I think you should do Shawshank because Shawshank's an easy watch, right? It's mm-hmm. like an hour and a half. It's like a self-contained mm-hmm. story. It's great. Like, did you like yep. Green Mile? Yeah, I like Green Mile. What yeah. kind of concept? You like that? I more? think I prefer Green Mile more than Shawshank. Yeah. I mean, that's not no. because I, I I just think I um, Tom Hanks's performance trumps any of those performances in Shawshank. Better than Morgan Freeman. Uh, I mean, yeah, yeah, okay, but like, but I I, I, I think those comparisons are very trite. <laughs> it's like like yeah. it's, it's the comparisons that that don't really need to be compared. Um, it, it's prison well, film I, I just film. I just see it more as like what performances do I enjoy more? And I enjoy Tom Hanks' performance a lot more than what I see from Tim Robbins and is it Tim Robbins? And like yeah. Morgan Freeman. Yeah, it is Tim Robbins. Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman. But I would be keen to yeah. see those movies again and then review it on the podcast maybe. But Tom Hanks is the only great performance in that oh, one, right? Like, dude, like come on. <laughs> <laughs> I do like Green Mile a lot, so I shouldn't even go out of my way to, to trash it. I'm going out of my way to dude, trash Mikey. it. Is his in name Mikey? Bring Shawshank up. It's Mikey, right? Michael, Michael Clark, Clark Duncan, yeah. His performance is great, yeah. man. What do you mean? He's great, he's great, he's great, he's great, he's great. Yeah, okay. I shouldn't do that. But Godfather is brilliant. I don't I'm, like. What's your favorite? Oh no, yours is a Princess Bride, right? I haven't seen it. No, I mean Princess Bride is just it, one of my so. favorite movies of all time. You said it's your favorite? No, not the favorite. Yeah. No, I don't have a favorite. There's too many films that I really, really favoritize. <laughs> but you know, okay. Princess Bride is definitely up there, and I would even say that Princess Bride is one of the best movies ever made. See, I, I got to be honest with you. I have told you this before, so it's not even that honest. I mean, I watched the first 15 minutes and I just <laughs> couldn't get into it, and I stopped. I turned it off. Really? Come on. I don't know. It just, when was that? When was that? When you were like 10 years expected. old? <laughs> it was a long time ago. No, 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 not 10 years old, but when I was like maybe 20 or something, like old enough to have heard the hype right. that everyone loves it, and it was legitimately surprising to uh, hear that it's your like one oh, of your favorite wow, films. Wow, okay. I mean, it just—it sounds like from what I saw, it was like this sort of campy schlock. Yeah. Like, but like, it's, um, I'm not like not like a Zoolander fun no, campy. You but know it's what campy like, and cheesy, but very very good at not being cheesy at the same time. Like when you when you think about the dialogue, yeah. just the dialogue alone, how do you pull off something like that? And I feel like these guys, the production. The writers, the actors, Carrie Alwes yeah. and uh, Sandy Patikin, all these guys pulled off these characters that you you couldn't even think how you would be able to pull this kind of stuff off. I, th- I think pr- the production value is very, very good. Are you just impressed that like it was a seemingly difficult task? Yeah, like it was a difficult task. Like it's so hard to pull off those kind of lines. I, I, I think I think a good comparison would be Romeo and Juliet from Baz Luhrmann. He pulled off Shakespeare in the modern era by applying modern style yeah. to it. That and that could have been completely yeah, cheesy. Can you imagine that. people talking like that in the street? No way, you wouldn't believe that. But Baz Luhrmann yeah. created a world where it's believable. It's like I believe this city exists. I believe that people talk like that. Yeah. And for, for Princess Bride to do the same thing, that's so hard. Like that, I, I can't. I can't even imagine. Like, and so you're impressed by the... Because the thing is, okay, as I was watching it as like, just a neutral fan, I was like getting like Twilight vibes, you know what I mean? Like I was, I was getting weird Twilight vibes from vibes. this movie. <laughs> like, just, just the dialogue sounded bad. But that's the thing. is, like the dialogue like, is bad, awe. but they perform it so well. <laughs> like, I, I, 
I love the dialogue so much that if I or any of my friends or like anybody that tried to say that dialogue today and make a film out of it, yeah. I just don't think they'll be able to pull it off. I'll be pretty impressed if they did. But yeah, but to me, that's like, like these are all made up things. So you can just like not have bad dialogue, right? Like that was always an option. <laughs> yeah, but this is, I mean, I don't know. That's the same as saying you could just not have good football, but people choose to be good at football because they train for it. No, but it's like this idea, like, for example, football is a good example. Like, if there was this team, like Real Sociedad, who only buy Basque players, actually, no, that's actually legitimately <laughs> impressive. What's, what's another example? <laughs> I think anyway, like, you spin no, it, dude, no, it's no. like, it's, it's going to come back to, like, what the argument is, which is... This, this idea of, like, oh, the dialogue is bad, and yet they pull it off, so I'm so impressed, and I'm like... Yeah, but the dialogue is part of the creative process. Mm. Like, it was a changeable part mm. of this film. You could have just not had bad dialogue. <laughs> I, I, I think what we mean that the dialogue is bad is because it's such cheesy dialogue that how do you pull off mm. something like that? But why, 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 why do you have to? Well, it's sort of first of all, it's a to, book, you know right? I mean? Like, like it's, it's not something that the writer's made up. It's a book. Yeah. Oh, okay. it's, an, it's an adaptation okay. from a book called Princess Bride. That helps me understand <laughs> this a little bit. Yeah, it wasn't just something that someone was like, "Hey, I want to make like a shit script out of this or something." It's like no, 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 no. It's, a, it's a it's an it's a book when adaptation. I watched it. I was like, because I think it starts off like, "Hey, tell me a story, yeah. Dad," and he's mm. just telling a story. So right? that part of that part of the story of Princess Bride is not in the Princess Bride, the book. The Princess yeah. Bride, the book, is the story that the grandfather is telling. Yeah, you tell. Because I, yeah, I, I do want to try again because I know yeah, everyone loves it, and I really we should try again. And I like, should. we should watch it together, and we'll jump into Discord or something. No, it's gonna be it's gonna be too too much peer pressure because like you're gonna at the, at the end you're gonna look at me like, <laughs> be like well, that was so funny, wasn't it? <laughs> I don't want to I don't want to hurt you. You're gonna nudge me yeah. and be like, like this. So line many is so classic good. lines, man! Like so many classic lines. It's just so like, good. I can't. Yeah, like you know, I've heard these lines where it's like, you know, my name is. Uh, one, something Montoya, and you've you, uh, you killed my father. Yeah. Prepare to die. That's a great and line. Like, <laughs> is it really? Like <laughs> that's part of it. Like it's part of like why it's so charming and good. I like. I remember. I I see these like comments, and everyone like makes these things. Like like you see like there's a garage sale like yeah, prepare to right. buy or something like that right like people have that kind of stuff so I know it's iconic but I look at that as like just a sentence and I'm like that's not even a good sentence like I, <laughs> the delivery man the delivery like, is amazing he says it like eight times right in the film like he gets like or not or he says it once no he only says it once he's like my name yeah, is okay, well he, know, he doesn't he he kind of doesn't say it once he, like, he, he does blood, he does it? say that to carry always character like the the masked man he says yeah. this is what i'm going to tell him and then he actually tells him oh sorry he doesn't say it to the masked man like before huh. like he says it to like his mates i think it was like fez or something um yeah he says it to him and says, this is what i'm going to tell him when i see him is my name is anika montoya you killed my father prepare to die um but yeah, yeah it's, it's just great he's like like, there's so many great one-liners man once you like get into the rhythm of really enjoying it you just you will not shy away from those one-liners like it's they're just such okay, good I, I one-liners want, to remember i i do want to love it i do want to love it uh, um but you should love godfather just yeah i'll watch end. it again absolutely like, i i want to review the godfather and Shawshank redemption and i also want i want to review the alien trilogy for sure 
or the Avian franchise. Do that. A- Good luck. I've already uh, watched most of them, and I'm up to Alien Three oh. and Alien Resurrection. After that, I hate Alien Three. Usually people that are a part of that camp of loving Shawshank and um, Godfather, they all like... Yeah, I guess it's horror. You should enjoy Aliens, though. Because Aliens is way more action than Alien. No, but there's still like... Yeah, there's still the whole Aliens thing, but man, like... An unpopular unpopular opinion, um, maybe a lot of people are not going to listen to the podcast after this, is that I don't like Aliens as much as the first Alien. Because Aliens was where James Cameron and came in and just did his whole came jazz, uh, came, <laughs> James Cameron jizz thing. He, she's got the, the, the exoskeleton in the second one, yeah. right? Well, the not the exoskeleton. You mean just the robot thing? The same thing that I you see know. in Avatar? Yeah. Uh, I haven't even seen Avatar. No, yet. just the first Avatar. Where those guys are in those like mechanical suits? Oh yeah, 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 yeah that's, that's in yeah, Aliens. Yeah, yeah, I only know it from um, oh, Community. Right. Yeah, she she has that <laughs> in Aliens, and um, Aliens is like for the most part, I think people prefer Aliens over Alien, but I think that's just totally untrue. Because Alien is a pure like Alien is a horror alien. sci-fi, like straight up horror. Yeah, and Aliens, aliens is like, sci-fi alien? action. <laughs> It's literally yeah, James Cam- Cameron's um, uh, Terminator meets Aliens. Because <laughs> I do love Terminator 2. <sighs> I like 1 too. Like, I one like is one good as because well. they introduced like, a new concept to the action genre film. But um, yeah. a- uh, Terminator 2 is hard to beat. That's, that's the goat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the concept of like you now have a robot on your side was yeah. a very cool thing. That's pretty cool. I love Terminator 2. Yeah. All right. Well, we should bring it to the end because the podcasters have probably left the channel now. <laughs> The podcast oh, yeah, well, I mean the listeners. That means it doesn't matter. That means it doesn't matter. It doesn't we can matter. just keep on going. Oh no, it's two hours. We always wanted to not hit two hours. Two hours is probably just our thing now. Alright. We, we gotta kill, kill it. it. You, you know what? This whole do the whole act and then talk about it. I think it's it is a better flow. It's a better flow. We do it faster. faster. But ironically we still come back to yeah. two hours. <laughs> <laughs> Alright man. Good to good to see you and good to have you back on the podcast. Thank you to the listeners for joining yeah. in on the Flash review. Let us know what you think in the comments or the DMs. I check them every now and then. Trust me. Um, and I've also created a Threads oh, account for the Legit Cool Podcast. So, do, do we get DMs? Do you get DMs? Anyone I get some says DMs. Like, if if anyone ever says like that, Tony guy is saying some really dumb shit. Okay. I really want to hear about. I'll that. screenshot it and I'll send it to you. I want to have like we'll a, make t-shirts out of it. An internet war with someone. <laughs> well, I inevitably lose because I'm not very intelligent, but I want to have that. <laughs> right on. We'll catch you again in the next podcast. Thanks, Tony. Thanks, listener. Bye.